Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. So this last Wednesday, we were able to appreciate all those of you who volunteer. If you were not able to make it, we're so grateful for those of you who serve, for your faithfulness, for just believing in the vision that God has called Lifehouse to lead thousands of people to know God, grow together, and go serve, and make a difference. That God has called us with a five-fold purpose to reach the lost. Say it with me, reach the lost. Say it with me one more time, reach the lost. Um, retain the next generation. That's all the youth that we have here in, in, in those uh, rooms back then. Say with me, disciple the believer. Uh, in, uh, equip and empower the leaders. And then say it with me, multiply. Those are the five full purposes that we feel that God has called us to preeminently move forward, is to reach the lost, uh, retain, reach and retain our children and our children's children wherever they find themselves. For this church to be a magnet, to be cutting edge, to be attractive to the next generation, uh, to disciple the believer, especially through life groups and through the ministries that God has given you. And life groups is a challenge because it is a, a, it's a new paradigm rather than just come and sit and most of us receive on a Sunday. But the call is for you to already see February as a launching point, either to join a life group or to be or to lead a life group in an area where God has placed the passion uh, where God has put um, a desire or a felt need, uh, a calling. And for that, it just doesn't happen automatically. There's some protocols, some things that need to be done proactively. But a life group can be life-changing, as you will. We will be sharing um, uh, right at, at the beginning of the new year, uh, where we'll be sharing our theme for 2023. Uh, but then we want to engage, encourage, equip, and empower you, the leader in you, emerging leaders, we want to um, start a school of leadership and a school of ministry in 2023 in the spring or the fall. And if there's a, everyone has a leader in us, as a matter of fact, uh, you can attribute all our shortcomings and all our failures to the lack of self-leadership. Because a person that cannot lead himself or herself cannot amount to much. And you, it's, you're scarcely going to be able to lead others if you're not able to lead yourself. So we want to be able to, to just push that envelope forward we want to engage, encourage, equip, and empower emerging leaders. That's why we exist. And then we want to multiply. We want every, every believer to multiply. We want every leader to multiply. We want every ministry, every department, every campus to multiply. In this video, you saw our Tijuana, our TJ campus. Uh, it is a gorgeous campus. God is doing something special. My wife and Linda were there last Sunday while you were here uh, being um, exposed to just... Um, some of the difficulties of Pastor Greg, he hurt many of you. You felt offended. Uh, it was underwhelming. I am here to cure all his, uh, his mistakes. About a month ago, about a month ago, uh, you know, I have a, a friend that ministered up here, Rick the Barber Guzman. And it was devastating. Most of you guys went and left home like depressed after Rick preached. That's the guy up here receiving the offering. Uh, so we gave him a second opportunity to redeem himself, to receive the offering. And my point is that, uh, would you help me appreciate Pastor Greg and Pastor Rick? Uh, we're grateful. We're grateful. Um, so last Sunday, Pastor Greg spoke about all I want for Christmas is peace. And there's a peace that only God gives. Jesus says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give. Not like the world gives. This world does not leave you peace. This world will leave you in pieces. Will leave you in pieces. Will leave you broken and disappointed and hopeless. And today I want to talk, all I want for Christmas is hope. Uh, the four, the five greatest gifts of Christmas. Peace, hope, joy, joy. Faith is what Jesus came to give us, faith. And then love will be our last sermon, uh, be, you know, at, this, at the end of this uh, season or these ministry uh, preachings. But all I want for Christmas is hope. Um, I'd like to encourage you, hopefully most of you were given a card like this. Um, and that's our, our, just to help you with our dates that are coming up the 25th and the 18th. We're going to have uh, the 18th. We're going to have baptisms. So everyone 
If you have not been baptized, I want to encourage you, say yes to baptisms. You saw some, some images of people being baptized. It's a powerful step of faith. It's a powerful step forward. It's a step of obedience and the way you worship God by saying, I'm in, all in as being a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm coming out of the closet and saying yes to Christ and just saying yes publicly that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the 18th. On the 25th, we have a, a morning special celebration uh, Christmas. I know that it's Christmas Day, and many perhaps have family traditions. I'd like for you to make it uh, uh, an ongoing tradition that Sundays, no matter what day it is, 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 is the day of the Lord. It's the Lord's Day. I'd like to encourage you, if you're able, uh, without twisting your arm, but I do want to put a little bit of a guilt trip. Uh, I'll pray for the fleas of a thousand camels to infest your home if you're not here on that Sunday. I'm being facetious. Um, but, but, and then... Um, uh, January 1st is another Sunday, um, and we want to be here as well. We want to have our doors, o- doors open for those that, that God has called or that feel like, hey, I want to be at the first day of the year. I want to be in God's house. I'm going to encourage you to take out your notes. Uh, if you haven't received them, we could give them to you or on the way out. But just, or, but just if you're able to, to take out this note outline, it's an outline to help you grow, to help you kind of write down as, as the message is unfolding. I want to welcome everyone here, those online as well. We want to appreciate, would you take out your notes? And we're going to get right into the message uh, for, for centuries. Uh, all I want for Christmas is hope. Is, um, is, is I, today I want to speak about that. And, and for centuries, the prophets of Israel spoke about the coming Messiah. From Adam to Malachi, all the prophets, from Abraham to Enoch, from uh, Enoch, uh, the great patriarch, Job, uh, someone like Noah that was faithful in his time, saved his family and, and constructed an ark that took him probably about 85 to 100 years to build an ark to save his family. From those three boys, Shem was one of his boys. From that lineage came Abraham. And God chose Abraham to, be, to use him as a family. Abraham's family uh, was, was the extension of God's plan to reveal himself. The world got corrupted really fast. Almost every tribe after Bab, uh, after Babel, uh, the, the people just went their ways and, and clans formed, languages formed, and every tribe underneath the sun forgot about God. They, they, they created their own gods, their idols. Uh, they, they perverted, became pagan, uh, became godless, if you will. Uh, sin multiplied on this earth. And so God looked through the earth and says, who can I identify with? Who can identify with me? Who can I, 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 I call so that through him and his family, I can reveal myself. And God called Abraham. He saw in Abram, his name was Abram first, which was father, exalted father. He changed his name to Abraham, exalted father of many nations. Um, there was a, a Sarai who was his wife. Sarai could not give birth, not with the name Sarai. It's a weak, I'm not going to get into that right now, but God changed her name to Sarah. And in, in chapter 17 of Genesis, he says, I'm going to change your name to, from Sarai to Sarah. And because from Sarah, Sarah is going to be blessed. Sarah will give birth. Uh, Sarah will give birth to, to priests and kings and, and kings and priests. And through her, through Abraham and Sarah, is going to come the seed, the seed. What seed? So I want to take you real, real quickly back to uh, Adam and Eve. So from the get-go, Adam and Eve were placed in a perfect garden of Eden. Paradise, if you will. To live for eternity. Uh, the serpent, very with guile and with a lot of sagaciousness, um, came and just confused Sarah, began to quote God, but misquoting God. And she fell for the, for, the, for the head fake, just like all of us have. It wouldn't have been different if you were there. A lot of people love to blame Eve and, and Adam, but you and I would have done the same. And so she took of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, temptation, the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. She took it because she wanted to be like God. She wanted to have all be uh, like, like God in his knowledge, if you will, of knowing right from wrong or being able to have a freedom of choice or be a free uh, person. And she was already a free agent. But then she convinced to, for Adam to also bite of the, or take the forbidden fruit. And so God calls him in the cool of the day and says, Adam, Adam, where are you? He didn't call Sarah. He called Adam. Every person, every man, every young man, you need to know that when you were born a boy, God put a scepter in your hand. For every woman of God here, when you were born, God made you special. He made the man and every beast of the field from the dirt. But he made a woman from living flesh and tissue. I'll say that again. From man. He made man from dirt. 
uh, and he breathed the breath of life. But if you're a young lady, if you're a woman, you care, care for yourself, love yourself. Uh, because the enemy, the devil, is, has, a, has a war, an ongoing war against the woman, especially her feelings, her emotions, the way she sees herself. Her self-esteem is always being attacked by the devil. Um, and when, when they fell, God calls Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I hid because I feared and I, I was naked. And that's why I hid. And God says, who, cho- who told you you were naked? Who showed you? Sin. Sin perverts. Sin uh, decays. Uh, sin deteriorates. Sin blinds you. Sin will, will deafen you to not hear God's word. Sin will leave you senseless um, and, and without being able to discern the presence of God. Sin will cause you to live in fear. The Bible says that the wicked flees when nobody is chasing them, when nobody pursues. And the wicked person who sins and, and who is living in secret sin um, uh, basically engages in secret sin. You can never live confident. You can never be at peace. You never know when something wrong, you're always going to believe, hey, it's because of my sins have caught up to me. And so when God calls Adam, Adam, like, like he owned it. He, like every responsible husband and father, uh, like every responsible husband, he says, God, it's the wife you gave me. So the reason I failed is because of this woman. It's your fault that you gave me this wife. Like every good man, right? Every responsible throws the wife underneath the bus. And then so it was Eve's turn. Eve, what happened? And that's what, you, what caused you to, to sin. And Eve says, the serpent made me do it. The devil, the serpent. It was the serpent who, who, who tempted me and I took the fruit and I ate it. And then so God calls the, the serpent and says, I, I curse you. I curse you with, with being cursed for the rest of your life. Uh, and then I will put enmity. That means I will put you against. I will make you an enemy of the woman's seed. And your seed, I will put you in enmity with you and the woman. Not Eve by name, but the women. I'm just trying to bring here a context uh, of what this message of hope is going to be in terms of the, the context here. But besides, most of you don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to just take my time. You don't have better things to do. And most of you record your football game and you know that your football team's going to lose anyway. Yeah, so you might as well be in the church and might as well take solace that you were in the presence of God while your team loses uh, this, this Sunday's game or Monday or whenever it happens. So, so uh, unless you're a Cowboy fan, then, you know, there's hope. Uh, unless you're a San Francisco 49er fan, there's hope. Oh, my goodness. I say Jesus and nobody says anything. I, I, I invoke the name of the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys or San Francisco or, or the, the Raiders, right? Or the Lambs, the Los Angeles Lambs, which made an incredible comeback. Uh, anyway, so, so here's the dynamic. Here's what's happening. And so he says that the, God tells the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Uh, between your seed, he tells the serpent, your seed. That means the devil has offspring. And the devil's seed. And, and you will bite um, the, the, you will bite um, the, El calcañal, or the foot, or the, the leg, the, the, uh, the heel, and she will stomp you in the head. The woman's seed is going to stomp you, is going to crush your head. That was, that's it. Right from the get-go, that was the prophecy that invoked, uh, that started, that launched, listen to me, the greatest uh, rescue, the, re- the greatest rescue and, um, and uh, um, search and rescue operation ever in the, in the history of mankind. I want to say that again. I want to say it better. That moment, it was God himself who launched the greatest operation, search and rescue operation uh, to save humanity from itself and from the, uh, from the ravages of sin. And so God searched through Enoch. There was, he, he walked with Enoch. Later on came a man like Noah that was righteous, that built an ark, saved his family from, from that family, Shem, uh, began the, the, just the seed of Shem, the seed of the woman through Shem, through um, uh, his second son. All of a sudden, God begins, and he's looking for Abraham. He's looking for a family that he can introduce himself to the world because the world had become a perverted world, um, uh, basically lost in idolatry, and God wanted to reveal himself, and he did it through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, then Judah, his fourth son uh, from Judah. Uh, his, um, he had a a wrong relationship with Tamar, who was a Canaanite. Uh, they have a, a kid through, through Tamar. The lineage continues. Uh, later on, there was a woman by the name of Rahab the harlot. 
And God was not beneath them. It was not beneath God to use and, and choose uh, people, men and women. Remember, I will crush you. Uh, I will put in enmity. enmity. Uh, I will make you enemies, you and the woman. The seed, your seed against the woman's seed. Uh, and you're going to bite the heel of, of humanity. You're always going to, the poison, if you will. All of us uh, walk with poison. Your blood, your flesh, your mind, and all the distortions, all the lies. Uh, you, there's venom, the enemy's venom that runs through our, uh, our, our flesh and through our fallen nature. He says, but I'm going to use the woman's seed. Uh, her children are going to be your enemy. And God would raise judges and priests and, 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 and prophets and great people. Uh, great heroes, uh, your Davids, if you will. Just, I'm going to use the woman's seed. Uh, the woman's going to be like, like a shadow, but she's going to be the hero. The woman's going to be the hero because I'm going to use the woman's seed. How many say amen? And then uh, and her seed is going to crush you in the head. It's going to end your reign. And so God, throughout just the ages, he would use uh, prophets to begin to speak. And all of those prophets spoke of Jesus. All of them spoke of the time where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. There was prophetic utterances. It, when you have time, I would love for you to read Isaiah uh, chapter 7. It's a powerful chapter. It's probably one of the most powerful And chapter 9. So if you write that down, I want you to read the story uh, of a king called Ahaz. A king called Ahaz at that time. He's in trouble. Um, the, the king of Israel, uh, uh, Pekah, rises up against him and does an alliance with the king of Syria. Rezin is his name, King Rezin. And they, they do an alliance. They confederize with themselves. They're a, they, they do an alliance and they come against him and they, siege, they besiege him. And so he's in despair. He's panicking. And he thinks this is it uh, because um, you know, he, he was going to be destroyed according to his thinking. And God raises Isaiah, the prophet, and says, I want you to go talk to Ahaz, and I want you to speak to him. I want you to speak to him, and I want you to tell him uh, that not to panic, not to lose hope. Um, and he says to him, take heed. In this version, it says, be careful. But he says, I want you to take heed um, and, and keep calm. Stay steady. Don't lose your nerve. Don't lose your center of gravity. Don't melt just because this great company has come against you. Uh, and do not be afraid. Listen to me. Do not be afraid. Uh, do not lose heart or hope. Do not lose heart and don't lose hope. Uh, because, these, uh, uh, because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. They're, they're, just, they're about to be blown out. Uh, whatever you're facing, whatever enemy has encroached upon you, whatever you've done, even by your own commission or your own omission, do not lose heart and do not lose hope. God is not done with you yet. God is still on his throne. God is still working. God has anointed you. God has called you. God has redeemed you. God has gifted you. God has empowered you. God has brought you to the house of God. Uh, you're, you're in connection with, with your future is still unfolding. Do not lose heart or hope. Because whatever you're facing is a, is a smoldering. It's, it's about done. Uh, they've, they've, they've had their day or that issue has had their day. And God is vanquishing whatever you're holding or whatever you're facing. So be careful. Keep calm. Do not be afraid. I love what God continues to do with, with him as he's saying. Then he tells this King Ahaz, the prophet Isaiah says, hey, I want you to ask God for a sign just to prove to you that what God is speaking through me is, gonna, is valid. It's going to come to fruition. And I, Ahaz says, I don't dare. I don't want to tempt God and I don't want to ask him for anything. He was not in a spiritual condition, by the way, to, to really challenge and, and tell God, you know, you know, give me a sign or this is the sign. So, so um, the prophet tells him, since you won't ask God for a sign, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. So the Lord himself is going to give you this sign. Uh, and the sign is that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. I want everybody to see the Christmas story from the background that the Christmas story is um, an operation that is to seek and to find the lost, is to seek and to rescue you and me and humanity. And through all the ages, all these centuries, it was all about Jesus being born 
And so that 750 years, 780 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah gives an incredible, probably the most um, incredible, uh, the most cutting edge, the most like improbable, impossible prophecy is that a virgin, a virgin will conceive and, 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 and give birth to a son. And then this son is going to be called God is with you. So God is with us. God is with you. God is with you. Uh, 780 years before it happened, there was a prophecy and, and that, that came out as a sign to, a, to an unfaithful king, Ahaz, that God had a plan, that his, his rescue plan, his, his operation of search and rescue plan was still in, in vogue. It was still unfolding. How many say amen? A couple of chapters later in verse chapter 9, uh, the same prophet Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born. Not will be born, it's just he's already a done deal in God's mind. It's unto uh, us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, to us, all of us. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called, here it is, say it with me, wonderful. Say it with me, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. For everyone who had not has had a father, for everyone who was born and raised with maybe an absentee father, or you have an orphan spirit. I think that an orphan spirit, by the way, is one of the reasons why there's hell on earth, is that many, many men missed their calling. They were not there. Uh, many of us grew up maybe without a father, without the right father, without the right model. And so this world today, our society is broken. Oh, young ladies trying to still find the love of that should have come from a father, the protection, the, the security, and they've gone out there and, and ruined their lives, prostituted their lives, or, or, or settled for less because desperately they wanted to be loved, uh, they wanted to be wanted, loved to be loved, desired to be desired, uh, and liked to be liked. So, so just, just, just uh, because the, uh, there's enmity, young lady that is here, sister, the devil still is trying to torment you, still trying to undermine you, still trying to have you see yourself as something less than special, something less than a daughter of God. And there's enmity. And the devil attacks uh, young ladies and women through their emotions and men through their flesh, through their eye gate, uh, through their ear gate. And, and men are driven by their noses to the miry pit, the clay like a dog back to the vomit. Uh, many, many men are just victims of this chaos that started uh, from uh, the temptation and the fall of man, Adam and Eve. And yet, uh, there is a prophecy of hope. <laughs> uh, there is a prophecy of hope. So I want to talk about Christmas. Uh, Christmas hope. I want to talk about Christmas. Here's the introduction. For unto, for unto us uh, a child is born, a son is given. And the government will rest upon his shoulder. That means the control, the ruleship, the dominion is going to rest upon his shoulder. And, uh, and his name will be, or you will call him, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and then Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I want to just pause here. Uh, Father, I just pray that the next few minutes will just connect the dots for those that have lost their purpose, for those that have, that have lost a sense of hope, and now hopelessness, helplessness, haplessness is now just, just ruining, ruining their life. I pray that the Holy Spirit would uh, bring around or bring about this Christmas story in a fresh new way. It's a story most of us, if not all of us, know keenly and very well. What I'm going to share is very simple in terms of its principles, but so profound in terms of its power. It's power uh, to change our lives and to change the course and to bring about a spirit of hope upon our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. So on Christmas, uh, Christmas started with an angelic celebration or an angelic announcement after 400 years of silence. 400 years. There's from Malachi to Matthew or to Luke, there's four here, uh, 400 years of silence. And God's four, six months before this, God, uh, through Gabriel, uh, appeared to Zechariah, the husband of, of Elizabeth. That's it. That's what broke the silence. So ever since then, then Gabriel's very busy during this time. 
He's the angelic. He's the archangel who gives announcements, the spokesman. Uh, Michael is the warrior uh, archangel who, who fights with or for God. But Gabriel is, is the messenger of God. And so he brings a message to this young lady, probably 17, 18, 19 years of age, really young, um, and just, just totally just pure in her mind, in her devotion to God. And so God, the, through the angel, Gabriel says, do not be afraid or fear not. Mary, he calls her by her name. So if a, a stranger knows you, uh, if an angel shows up and knows you by name, that's really, really special. And so she was shaken. Uh, she was like, what's going on? And then she, basically the angel says, you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. You have found, if you're born again, by the way, if you know God, if you're here because you're hungry, you're here because maybe somebody dragged you here today. Uh, I bless that person who dragged you here today. Because in your heart, this is a setup. You are being set up today because I want you to know that God has brought you here because he is in, he's in love with you and God favors you. And, and God tells Mary and tells everyone here, you have found favor with God. Um, and then you will conceive and give birth a son. A son is born. For, a son, uh, for unto us a son is born. A son is given. Uh, and, uh, and you shall call him Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua. Let me just share that, that this brought back hope to a hopeless humanity, a helpless humanity. It brought back the hope of the word, of the plan, of the operation to seek and to rescue the lost. And let me just say that outright that hopelessness or, or losing hope is dangerous. The sense of hopelessness when somebody loses hope is very dangerous because the worst things, the worst tragedies happen when somebody gives up. That's why people shoot people. That's why people cause uh, damage and hurt other people. That's why we have all these uh, different moments in humanity where, where somebody does something desperate. Uh, people commit suicide or attempt suicide because they lose hope. That's what suicide is, is I cannot see the light in, in this world. And I am living in a sense of hopelessness and tragedy that is unfolding. So, so though that person may be physically well. That person may be... You know, everything is well. That person has shelter, food. But let me tell you something that you need, just as much as you need food and air, you need hope. Because food and air is physical and material. But a person that has lost their hope about a future, about relationships, about being married to the right person again or again, or, or finding the right peace or finding the right relationships or healing relationships that are going to run aground in your life, so losing hope is dangerous. Um, so hope is powerful. Hope is a powerful virtue. Hope is a powerful weapon. It's a powerful element. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, now remains these three elements, these three power virtues, if you will. Uh, faith, hope, and love. Hope is right at the center. Anchors, if you will, love and faith. Hope is the expectation Hope is the desire of wish, of, of, that is not just wishful thinking. Hope anchors itself. Real hope anchors himself in God's promises, then God's goodness, in God's plan for your life. Hopelessness uh, is equally as powerful and as devastating, as dangerous as hope. It's the opposite of hope is hopelessness is when somebody doesn't see uh, a good future, when somebody doesn't see a solution. When somebody hits a dead end and of darkness and despair and loneliness and depression and somebody's, uh, you know, wrestling with rejection and fear uh, and that person loses hopelessness and hope is connected to your faith in God. Now, uh, faith is the confidence. It's confidence. It's the substance of, uh, of things that we hope for. It's the substance. So faith is substance. Faith and hope walk together. They're, they're, they're hand in hand. And it's the assurance of the things that you do not see. But you have an assurance that what you do not see. And I want to real quickly talk about an anchor. Uh, I want to talk about the anchor of hope. Uh, that hope should be the anchor for your soul. And here's this rusty old anchor that I just want to have you images. Because today the youth, might, you might not already know that back then. Or you, I think all of us know by instinct that that the ships of yesterday, the mariners, if you will, it didn't matter how big the ship was, how expensive, the cargo, the precious cargo that a ship had, it would sooner or later run aground without an anchor. 
So it didn't matter. It had sails. It didn't matter if it had the best, um, you know, um, direction and compass and the best captain, the best crew. It didn't matter. Uh, sooner or later, every ship goes through storms. And every ship runs the risk of running aground your family, your marriage, your kids, your peace, your prosperity, your finances without an anchor. It's a very simple tool. But without it, you have no brakes. Without it, you have no stability. Without it, you're a victim of the storm. And that ship, your life will blow in the direction of the wind, of the storm, and the chaos that comes about that the enemy is going to bring to you sooner or later. It's not if you're going to go through storms. It's just when and how intense they are and how long they're going to be. A doctor's report, a family member that is diagnosed uh, with, with an infirmity, uh, going through a divorce, struggling with your son or your daughter that is rebelling. Uh, just things that you are going to, and you are going to be needing an anchor because hope, hope is the anchor of your soul. Hope is the anchor of your emotions, of your intellect, of your being, of your existence, of your spirit. Hope is an anchor. If you don't believe me, watch what the Word of God says. Here it is. Uh, the, the, the apostle to the Hebrews says, uh, this hope, what hope? The hope we have in Christ, the hope we have in God, in God's character, in God's goodness, in God's Word. This hope is a strong and trustworthy, what? Say it with me. A strong and trustworthy anchor of what? For our souls. So, the Word of God, I'm not just saying something nice or something catchy. I'm saying something that's fundamental. The hope in God. The hope in God's Word. Your confidence in His promises. Your faith and hope walking together. Uh, it's the substance of things that you do not see uh, or that you're hoping for. Faith and your hope is just you're trusting that God is good on His Word. That, that God's promises are done. Uh, there are yea and amen. All his promises are a done deal. All you have to do is hope and hang in there at the same time. Uh, you don't give up because this hope, this hope that we have is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope leads you beyond the curtain, the veil, and right into the presence of the holies of holies in the presence of God. This hope uh, introduces you to God's very presence and what the... Um, uh, the, the apostle to the Hebrews knew was be the holy of holies, God's inner sanctuary. How many say amen? amen? So some of the things that this anchor does, the anchor helps you secure and safeguard your precious cargo. Men, women, father, mom, grandparents, um, you need to be the anchor spiritual for some of our children or some of those that don't know God or that are wayward within your circle of influence. This anchor helps you secure and safeguard, the anchor that you cast when winds are, and the storm is coming uh, to secure precious cargo. That means you and your children. I'm not talking about stuff and cars and houses and, and things of such. I'm talking about lives. I'm talking about you building along in the spirit of what, of what Noah built, an ark for the family. Uh, and without, without breaks, <laughs> without an anchor, uh, it's just a matter of time till we crush and crash uh, and run aground. How many say amen? amen. So this anchor that, that the apostle to the Hebrew says keeps your life from drifting off course. It'll keep your life from drifting off course. And mom, 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 I, I believe that women are the key. The Bible says that a wise woman builds her home. Listen to me, ladies, sisters, uh, young ladies. Wisdom, wisdom built her house, the Bible says. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom built her house, built it on seven columns, just seven. One of those is the fear of God. Wisdom, a wise woman builds her home. Um, um, but a foolish woman destroys it, uh, there's a version that says with her hands or with her attitude, destroys it with the wrong attitude, selfish and anger and, and just drip, drip, drip. And, and, uh, but a wise woman understands and knows her husband, knows his strengths, knows his weakness. A wise woman makes the husband believe that he's in charge. A wise woman just, just, just creates the environment. A home, there's peace, there's, there's things that are happening. The celebrations, the, the putting together, the, the kids, the uh, bringing, having the husband come and home. And whether It doesn't matter who's working. Sometimes, believe me, women work as much, if not harder, than men do. And yet, they've been given the wisdom 
the wisdom to, to build a home. God said it. Uh, this pastor is not saying it. Uh, I wish he said it differently. But wisdom, a, a wise woman builds the home. And, and yet it is the prerogative and the responsibility of us men to protect the home, to provide for the home, uh, to bring stability to the home. But together, together, your home needs an anchor. If not, you'll drift off course. And over time, uh, a ship, no matter how precious the cargo is, if you drift, everybody's in trouble. Uh, one of the ways not to drift, and I say this sincerely, is come to church. And if it's not Lifehouse, that's okay. Um, my heart's desire is that you grow spiritually wherever God leads you. Wherever, but find a church and then stay there. Get planted. There's no perfect church and no perfect pastor. Uh, so church is what you make it. Church is how you grow at home as well. So, so another anchor here, just, just uh, the anchor gives you stability uh, in the storm. The anchor makes you steady and makes sure that the storm doesn't wash you away uh, with its impetus uh, or with its, uh, you know, with its ravages, uh, an anchor. So the anchor of your soul um, is hope. God said that in his word. Hope is the anchor that stabilizes, that steadies, that secures um, your soul and your heart and your spirit uh, this morning. So I'd like to ask you a question. I don't know what happened to my notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, praise God. Amen. If you're up there, Abe, I don't know, somebody moved something because my thing just went to a different uh, altogether. I don't even want to show what, what's, what's happening here. It says, it says, it's, it's just a tree and it says Saul Martinez. I'm not kidding. So, did you, did you do something? So, so anyway, they'll fix it. They better fix it. Yeah, they better fix it. Thank God that I have my trusty notes. Right? Thank God. Yeah. This is just the visual for you all, folks, that most of us are visual learners. So let, me, um, so let me just go to our notes, okay? Let's go five things, real quickly, five things. Uh, that five ways to keep your, um, your anchor of hope. Five ways to keep it from, from going awry. Um, five ways. Number one, uh, God always is always with me. Number one, God is always with me. God is always with me. That is your first anchor, probably your most important anchor, that God is always with me. Um, say it with me. God is with me. Uh, God tells uh, through the angel Gabriel, he tells, um, he tells, thank you, he tells um, Mary, uh, Mary, peace be with you, peace. That's what Pastor Greg talked about yes, last Sunday. And then he says, God, the Lord, is with you and has greatly blessed you. God is with you, and God has greatly already blessed you by way of his favor. It so, sounds so fundamental, but I'm telling you, if God be for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Do you know that that's what the Word of God says in Isaiah? That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That you have the authority to come against, to condemn, to condemn every word. Every curse that comes against you, for that is the inheritance of the children of God. That the children of God cannot be cursed. Uh, for God, it says, no one can curse that which I have blessed. That which God has blessed cannot be cursed, cannot be cursed. And so God is with you. God is with you um, when, you're, when you feel alone, when you feel like you're in trouble, when you've done wrong, when you've sinned, when you're empty or when you're full, uh, when your comings or your goings, uh, in the morning or in the evening, while you sleep or while you wake, in the middle of traffic and danger, when you're losing your temper and you're saying or thinking things, you should, God is with you. God is with you in every endeavor and every circumstance and every moment. God is with you. God is with you even when you don't sense him, when you don't see him, when you wonder, where is God? Uh, lo, I am with you, Jesus says to his disciples and to all of us, I am with you every day until the end of the world. God is with you. Um, no matter what you're going through, a Joseph is going through the pit and then Potiphar's house and then prison 
And the, the Lord, the word of God says, but God was with Joseph. That's all. That's what, that's the only thing that matters. It's, it, it basically was the, the uh, it was basically the uh, counter, if you will, to all your troubles is to know, yep, I'm struggling. Yes, I'm here. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling sad. Pastor, I'm struggling through depression, but God is with you. So God is with you. Elohim is with you. Uh, Emmanuel is with you. Emmanuel is with you. God is with you. Uh, and a virgin shall conceive, and a son will be given, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. God is with you. How many say amen? amen? The second principle that I want you to write down. Yeah, let's give the Lord a clap offering. Yeah, let's, let's just. So it doesn't matter what you're going through, God is with you. God will never leave or forsake you. Hold on to the anchor of hope. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Number two, God's favor is greater. God's favor is greater. God's favor on your life is greater than any problem you'll ever, ever, ever have to face. So God's grace, God's goodness, God's favor. I tell my kids, especially my daughters, I'm partial to you. And Sarah asked me, Dad, what does that mean? That means that I'm vulnerable. That means that I like you a lot. And because I like you a lot, I'm kind of going to do pretty much whatever you ask me to do. Uh, that's what it means. This is Sarah. So just recently, she's, she's learned how to do this, this hip, hypnotizer. She hypnotizes it. You will pick me up, she goes. And there I go. I will pick you up. And so we've just, she goes, sleep. Oh, sorry. She goes, sleep. I got it, hon. Oh, my back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Thank you. She'll go, sleep. And I won't sleep. And so the other kids want to do that too. And I don't let anyone else do that except Sarah. Because I want the other kids to struggle. I want the other kids to think that I love Sarah more. No. God's favor. It's the difference maker. No one can touch you. No one can harm you. Uh, no one can do anything to you that God does not allow because God's favor rests upon you. His favor rests upon your life. That means he'll open doors that no man can close. If he closes doors because he loves you. If God closes the doors because he loves you, that sometimes the enemy's good at head, head fakes. The enemy wants to make you believe that that better job, that better house, that better car is gonna bring you happiness. No, it won't. Only God can bring you contentment. Only his presence, knowing that God's favor rests, um, that God's favor is greater than any problem that you're going to face or that you're facing. How many say amen? God's grace is greater. Look at what he says to Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. So um, I think that a lot of times we feel like our life is out of control. Remember God's presence. God's favor is bigger than any problem you'll ever face as long as you're anchor anchored to God, his word, his goodness, his promises, his promises. So somehow God is going to work it out. The Bible says that all things, all things, God works all things, good or bad, all things in your favor. That God is, is, is working even while you don't see him working. God is working. So if you're giving your life to Christ, God is working his favors upon your life. And I know that a lot of us are boggled, our doubles uh, are struggling with something I just want to remind you that God's favor is greater. It's greater than any problem you're facing. Number three, in your notes, would you write this down? That God fits. God fits. He accommodates everything into his plan. So God will rearrange even your mistakes, even your messes. Um, God will take even your worst moments in your life, your past, your brokenness, your sins, and God will, will redirect them. Um, God will reorganize them. God will make them fit ultimately into his plan. Um, God's purposes and God's plans are right on. He just wants you to, he wants to save you and spare you the trouble of, of going the wrong way. Um, you, if you go the wrong way, there's a price, there's a consequence. When you sin and you give flesh credence and when you give it like no breaks, and you go and you, you, you're acting selfishly or arrogantly or, with, or, with, or proudly, there's consequences. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God's favor is not upon your life. No, whatever a man sows, that's what he's also going to reap. Those that sow to the flesh from the flesh shall reap corruption. Those that sow into the spirit from
on the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. So you do good, you sow good, you get good works. I mean, you get good uh, harvest. If your sowing is, is like selfish and arrogance and pride and vanity and anger um, and all these negative, twisted, toxic emotions like hatred, like jealousy, like envy, like greed, and you do things out of those toxic emotions, then that's what you get back. You get back uh, a whirlwind. You get back trouble. But even if you're now experiencing the consequences, God's favor is greater than your mistakes. And then God fits, God fits everything into his plan. He tells Mary, then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Um, and he says, and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great, Jesus. What God is going to conceive in your life will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Um, I love this. And his reign, uh, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, forever. And his kingdom will never end. And I want to just hearken back to what was happening in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, where this king is, is surrounded and he thinks it's over. And he says, it's not over. It's not over. Uh, God has already made a plan and he's fitting everything to how it works, to how it works. And the Lord um, answered Mary. The, the, I am the married answer. I am the Lord's servant. Uh, may the word to me be fulfilled. I'm the servant. That's the key. I want you, everybody to say, I'm the Lord's servant. Say it with me. I'm the Lord's servant. One more time and say it like you mean it. I am the Lord's servants. That's what Mary said. I'm the Lord's servant. Man, that's so powerful. I'm at his beck and call. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to do whatever God wants me to do. And then let it be done unto me. Let the word of God, his promises, his plans. I just want to fit into God's plans. And he makes everything fit into God's plans. I want to close with these two thoughts here on your notes. Number four, God has promised to help me. God has promised to be with you. God has promised to make a way where there is no way. God has promised to open doors where the doors seem to be closed. God has promised to give you wisdom and insight and grace and favor and power when you feel powerlessness, when you feel impotent. God has promised, even when you feel impotent, even sometimes we do the right thing, we're the right person, and God is asking you to do something that is out of your uh, out of your uh, sphere of, of um, expertise. I'll say that again. Sometimes God will be calling you and, and you're living right with God and you're doing the right thing and what God is asking you to do is like it's out of your withitness, your wherewithal. That's what happened to Mary. I want you to just see and Mary says to the angel when he says you're going to bear a son, you will call him Jesus. He's going to be great. All of this and Mary was thinking, wait a minute, but I don't even know somebody. I'm not even married yet. And, and I'm a virgin. So a lot of things, I mean, that's such a great thing for her to be able to say that. But she's being honest. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't understand your plan. I don't even know how I'm gonna accomplish it. I don't even know a guy. I've never been you know, engaged or I, he, she was engaged to Joseph, but I've never had intimate relationships. How is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And then um, the angel tell, tells her, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will help you help it. The Holy Spirit will help you make it happen. The Holy Spirit can come over. He's going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the capacity to give birth, to be pregnant with something that is divinely orchestrated, divinely inspired. And then not only to conceive. I mean, conceiving is one thing. But going through the gestation period, going through the travails, being able to give birth to a family, guys, being able to save your children, ladies, hermanas, brothers, being able to, to conceive something is a different thing to give birth to a healthy family, to a family that, that's balanced, uh, to where there's joy and peace in your home. And, and she says, how is this going to happen? Um, and the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the, uh, and the Holy One that uh, to be born with, um, the, the Holy One to be born uh, will be called the Son of God. How is this possible, Pastor? For nothing is impossible for God. So nothing is impossible. And lastly, 
want to tell you that the story, your story doesn't end here. So with God, your predicament, your story doesn't end on a bad note. It doesn't end with a question mark. You don't end here and now is not the end of your story. For most of us, I do believe it's the beginning of what God begins or wants to do. Is that if during this Christmas season, we, give, we go first full circle and we humble ourselves before God and we ask God for wisdom and direction uh, that with God, this is not the end of the story. With God, God is going to help you with breakthroughs and with wisdom and direction. Uh, God is going to help you. I love this, what Elizabeth tells Mary. You're so blessed. Everyone here, by the way. Blessed is she, or he, who has believed that the Lord would, uh, would fulfill his promises. So you're blessed. And that's what Elizabeth comes. When she, she, Elizabeth um, has given birth to, um, or is going to be giving birth to John the Baptist. Mary comes and she's three months pregnant. <laughs> and then when they, they give each other a salutation, something happens to John the Baptist. All of a sudden, there's divine implications. And Elizabeth tells Mary, blessed are you. Blessed is she who's believed the word of the Lord for I want to tell you that you're blessed. You're going to be highly favored, that you're going to enjoy God's favor, God's blessing, if you just trust and believe God's word. I'm going to share one more verse, and in, it, in your notes, there's the last verse in your notes that is really powerful, that I want you to just study. Don't leave that verse out. Um, Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust him, as you trust him, the God of hope, of hope, is going to fill you not just with hope, but with peace and with joy, so that you may overflow with hope, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. That's our prayer. May the God of hope, the anchor of your soul. Hope is the anchor of your soul. Hope is the anchor of your soul. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't lose your trust in God. Don't lose your trust in people that God has put you there. Your, your husband may not be perfect, or I know that we're not perfect, but, he's, but with God, there's hope. We're all salvageable. Brother, the wife may not be what you're thinking she was going to be or needs to be, but, but don't lose hope. You be the right person. Be the right uh, husband. Be the right father. Be there. Be available. Be patient. Be humble. In Jesus' name. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse Podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.